Amen. Thank you, Caleb. I appreciate you being here this morning. It's good to see you here this morning. Take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. If you read the Transfiguration in preparation for today, congratulations, you're ahead of the curve. We are not going to be in Matthew this morning. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 4. We're going to look at verse 2. That's going to be our starting point. We're going to look at several verses because today is the last Sunday in November. And as we've done through all this year, the last Sunday of the month, we talk about prayer. We study prayer. And I thought it was only fitting in light of just a few days ago, a few days ago we were celebrating Thanksgiving that we ought to talk about the relationship between gratitude and prayer. Gratitude and prayer. I, one of the lines uh, that I constantly go to when I'm thinking about prayer and then thinking about gratitude is the line from George Herbert in his poem entitled Gratefulness. He says, Thou hast given so much to me, give one thing more, a grateful heart. We want to look at what a grateful heart looks like in the life of a believer, especially when it comes to prayer. When it comes to prayer. So I suspect many of us as Christians understand the relationship between gratitude and prayer. There's an inherent understanding, very basic understanding. I think and suspect that many of us could already say many of the things that we're going to look at this morning. And so I think it would be good for us to recall and to remember how gratitude functions or at least should function in the life of a follower of Christ. And so this morning, as Peter says, I hope to stir you up by way of reminder what prayer is, how it functions. And so I have two simple reminders, two simple reminders concerning gratitude and prayer. And my hope this morning is that you will leave here with a renewed vigor, a renewed sense of calling and of the privilege and the the honor and the joy that prayer is. And you'll spend more time in prayer. Uh, You'll simply spend more time thanking God for who He is and what He's done. So, what are the two simple reminders about prayer? Well, simple reminder number one is this. Gratitude is a chief part of prayer. Gratitude is a chief part of prayer. When we look in Colossians chapter 4, notice how Paul connects them in verse 2. He says, devote yourselves to prayer... Stay alert in it, in what? In prayer, with thanksgiving. In some sense, thanksgiving is the kickstarter for prayer. It's how prayer gets its start. And Paul admonishes us to devote ourselves, to give constant attention to prayer, and to stay alert in it with thanksgiving. So there is a a very close relationship between prayer and gratitude. You know, in 1 Timothy 2.1, Paul says, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, those are all, that's all prayer language, right? He says, I urge all those things and what else? And thanksgiving be made for everyone. So there's no simple, uh, there's no way to get around this very simple truth. That thanksgiving should be a recurring theme in our prayers. It should be a regular feature And I think there are four reasons why this is true. First, giving thanks in prayer 
acknowledges God as the source of all good. Giving thanks in prayer acknowledges the one true God as the source of all good. You know James 1.17. It reminds us that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like a shifting shadow. What is James saying? God is a giver of good things. And He is the source of every good thing that comes to us. So that's one reason. What's the second reason? Giving thanks in prayer not only acknowledges that God gives good things, but that God Himself is good. Listen to Psalm 136 verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord. Why? For He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. So giving thanks is not just connected to what he does. Giving thanks is connected to who he is. He gives good things, but he also is good. Which also means if he never gave a single thing, he would still be worthy of thanksgiving. We obviously cannot forget Psalm 104, verses 4 and 5, that that we often read around this time of year. Verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to his name and bless his name. Why? Verse 5, For the Lord is good. His faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. So, another reason why we ought to have a... Uh, There's this connection between prayer and gratitude is that it acknowledges God as the source of all good. It recognizes that God himself is good. We need to thank God for what he does, but also thank him for who he is. There's a third reason, though. Giving thanks in prayer reminds us of our debt. When you give thanks in prayer, you are being reminded. You are coming face to face, face to face with the fact that God has given And the very nature of thanking is to essentially say, I received something. I am in your debt. And this, of course, only increases our gratitude, doesn't it? There's something about the nature of thankfulness that the more thankful we are, the more we realize what we have to be thankful for, the more thankful we become. And And it just continues and continues. So as you thank God in prayer, as you give thanks you are more deeply reminded of how kind He has been to you. How good He is and how good He has been to you. And that only increases your thankfulness. And you express it. And that only increases your thankfulness. So those are the first three reasons why we we understand that prayer ought to be a chief component of prayer. But there's a fourth reason. Praying and giving thanks is God's will for us. It is God's will for us. Remember what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18. We've looked at this before, but he says, Pray constantly and what? Give thanks in everything. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Something about being a believer in Christ Jesus, it is God's will that we would thank Him regularly. Now, follow the logic here. You could take a a critical view and say, well, that seems very selfish of God. Or you could take the view that does God love his children and only only wants what's best for them? Yes. And so when he tells us that we are to thank him, it's only for our benefit. It can only be for our good. So gratitude is a chief component of prayer. 
this naturally raises the question, doesn't it? What does my prayer life reflect? What is, my, what is the status of my heart of gratitude and thankfulness? Examine your own prayer life. What would you say? Is it messing gratitude? Is, is, is gratitude a perfunctory rite that you go through only to urgently get to your requests? Could it be that a lack of gratitude reveals something about our own hearts? Maybe we've missed something. Maybe we've lost something. Maybe we need to remember something. Maybe we've lost a sense of how profoundly grateful and thankful we ought to be. What could we possibly be thankful for, Christian? Didn't the law of God reveal how we had fallen so woefully short of God's perfect standard? And doesn't the law tell us to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbor as ourselves, but we know that we're prone to the hatred of God and our neighbors? And isn't our nature so corrupt that we're all conceived and born in sin and by our sin we're separated from God, alienated from communion with Him, and because of our sin, isn't the light within us turned to darkness? And doesn't our sin, our, our failure to obey God's law, doesn't our rebellion against God deserve just judgment? Both now and in eternity? Do we not rightly deserve death for our sin? Judgment for our rebellion? Since all of us have sinned in Adam and on our own, and we have come under the sentence and curse of eternal death, isn't it true that God would have done no one an injustice if he had decided to leave the entire human race in sin and under the curse and to condemn them on account of their sin. By our sin, didn't we bring the curse upon us and not a blessing? Weren't we guilty? Weren't we condemned? Were we not enslaved? Were we not hopeless, lost, and dead in our sins? Isn't it true that each one of us, apart from any intervention on the part of God, was destined to everlasting separation from the comfortable, blessed presence of God Almighty and destined to the most grievous torments of soul and body without intermission, without relief in hell forever? And, dear Christian. Did not God, in his boundless mercy, give us as a guarantee his only son who was made to be sin and a curse for us in our place on the cross in order that he might save us? Was not God gracious and merciful? Were you not delivered out of your misery by grace through Christ without any merit of your own? Didn't Jesus willingly undertake the task of undergoing the punishment that I deserved and you deserved, which we could not have borne and we could not have suffered and survived? Didn't the innocent take the place of the guilty? 
Didn't the king take the place of the traitor and the rebel? Didn't the holy one take the place of the unclean ones? Didn't the righteous judge take the place of the criminal? Should we not be thankful that Christ has redeemed us by his blood? And is he not also renewing us by his spirit into his image so that with our whole lives we might show how thankful we are to God for his benefits? How can we remain ungrateful when we pause even for a moment, even with the smallest sliver of sincerity and consider how it is possible that we as sinners are declared righteous before a holy God? Is it not only by true faith in Jesus Christ? How can we be ungrateful when without any merit of our own, out of sheer grace, God grants And credits to us the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ. As if we had never sinned and never been a sinner. And as if we had been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for us. If only we accept this gift with a believing heart. How? When we pray, isn't God the Father The one to whom we pray? And isn't he the very same one who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ? Having chosen us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. Having predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ for himself. According to his own good pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us and his beloved son. Isn't that the father to whom we pray? And when we pray, isn't it true that we pray through Jesus Christ and in his name, we pray and enjoy the access to the throne of grace so that we might come boldly finding grace and mercy in our time of need. Isn't it the same Christ in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that was richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding? Is that not the Christ who saved us? Isn't it the same Jesus through whom God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and on earth in him, including us. That's the Jesus we have when we pray, isn't it? Isn't it the same Jesus in whom we have also received an inheritance? Because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. So that we who have already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. And isn't this the same Jesus in whom we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit? When we heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation and when we believed. Isn't Jesus our high priest? Who, since we have flesh and blood, also shared in these so that through his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil. And did he not free us who were held in slavery all our lives by fear of death? Didn't he become like us in every way, our merciful and faithful high priest in matters pertaining to God, having made a propitiation for our sins? Did he also not suffer when he was tempted and because of that? 
is he not able to help us when we are tempted? Do we not have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, who is able to sympathize with us in our weakness, but has also been tempted in every way, yet without sin? Oh, when we pray, aren't we born on the wings of the Spirit into the Father's presence by the access that Christ secured for us? And isn't this the same Holy Spirit that is the down payment, the guarantee of our inheritance until we take possession of it? When we pray, isn't this the same Spirit that helps us in our weakness because we don't know how to pray as we should? Doesn't this same Spirit intercede when we need help with inexpressible groanings? Isn't this the same Spirit that applies to us the peace that surpasses all understanding when we pray? Isn't this the same Spirit who dwells in us, assuring us that we're forgiven, that we're loved, we're freed, that we're receiving eternal life? Didn't God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ show us great mercy by giving us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Christian, I ask again, how could it be that we were under so much guilt, received so much grace, and we would fail to express gratitude. Is the Lord not to be thanked and thanked regularly? Let me encourage you then to set aside every notion of pride that thinks we deserve better. And let us give thanks to God. Let us set aside any slothfulness and gratitude and be quick to thank God, to thank Him for His manifold blessings, but even to be quicker to say thanks for who He is. Let us cast aside all busyness that pre prevents us from any regular time of prayer in which we might thank God. Let us pray like George Herbert. Thou hast given so much to me, give one thing more a grateful heart. Our first reminder this morning is this, gratitude is a chief part of prayer. But there's a second simple reminder I want you to have this morning, and it's this, gratitude is not just the chief part of prayer, gratitude is the chief purpose of prayer. Gratitude is the chief purpose of prayer. What do I mean by that? Well, if you go to Psalm 116 and you look in verse 12, the psalmist says this, How can I repay the Lord for all the good He has done for me? And isn't that what we're, what we're saying? What is the, the proper response for the goodness, the kindness, and the grace of God that He has shown us? If you go and you look, verses 13 through 19, answer that question. This is what the psalmist says. Here's how I can thank the Lord, repay the Lord. In verse 13, he says, I will take up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will call upon the name of the Lord. That's prayer, is it not? He says, so the first way I will repay the Lord is I will pray. The psalmist says, how can I express my gratitude? I'll pray. Then in verse 17, the psalmist says, I will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. There's that phrase again. 
How can I repay the Lord? The psalmist says, I will pray and give thanks. So what's my point? It's this. Gratitude is not just a chief component of prayer. It's not just a puzzle piece that goes into your prayer. But it is the chief purpose of prayer. Prayer is a response to God's blessings. To God's character. Prayer is an act, a work of thankfulness. And it is by that act that we express our thankfulness. In other words, think of this way. What happens if we think of prayer as a good work? A good work. Now, here's where our theology of good works needs to be in line. We're not talking about good works in the sense of something that we do to earn salvation. That, that we could somehow pray a good enough prayer that God would save us. No, none of us can have good works like that. I'm talking about good works that flow from our salvation. That's the proper order. Salvation. We are in Christ and good works flow out of that. We see this in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, right? That we are saved by grace through faith and this is not of ourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, Paul says. Salvation is not by works, but we are saved. He says we are saved not from works so that no one can boast, but we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, So if we think of prayer as a good work, it is something that flows out of what God has done in us. The salvation that God has wrought in us. In other words, if if good works played a part in our salvation, we'd have a reason to boast. We could talk about how we saved ourselves and how we contributed to it. But we're, we're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, correct? And there are good works that come out of that salvation. Now here is where a good catechism comes in handy. Some of you know that word and you know what a catechism is. But a a catechism is just a document that was used to teach Christians basic truths of the Christian faith. Some are longer, some are shorter. But catechisms were very helpful Not just in what they said, but in their structures. Almost every catechism or confession you read, the structure matters almost, maybe if not more, than the things that say, that it says. Okay? And there's, there's, uh, there's a good reason for that. But there's one catechism. I would all, I'd recommend it to you. It's called the Heidelberg Catechism. It's a good one. You could do worse. Uh, and and every, every denomination and tradition has catechisms, even Baptists. Even Baptists used to have catechisms. We don't really do that anymore. We probably should. Uh, but the Heidelberg Catechism, if you understand its structure, it's basically broken up into three parts. And, and stick with me because I'm going somewhere with this, okay? The first part teaches about man's guilt, about man's misery, how we're sinners lost and without hope. The second part teaches about God's grace. Everything that God has done in Christ for us to save us, to redeem us, to bring us back into his family. And then the third part is about the believer's good works that flow out of gratitude. So as much as I'd love to take credit for the outlined guilt, grace, gratitude, that's not original to me. I stole that from this. Okay, Guilt, grace, gratitude... But the third part is instructive because it is in that prayer, the the section on good works, in that that part where it talks about prayer. 
the discussion of prayer is located in the section what we can do to show our gratitude to God for his salvation. And so the catechism says if you, it's divided among questions and then it's divided by the Lord's Day. So every Lord's Day you could read, every Sunday you could read a section. But question 86 says this. And notice, notice the structure, even the question. Since we have been delivered from our misery by grace through Christ without any merit of our own, why then should we do good works? That's a good starting question, right? It answers this way, because Christ, having redeemed us by his blood, is also restoring us by his spirit, so that with our whole lives we may show that we are thankful to God for his benefits. So the whole point of good works is to show God our gratitude for the salvation that he has worked in us. Okay? Eventually, it gets to, in question 116, it says, what, uh, Why do Christians need to pray? And it answers, Because prayer is the most important part of our thankfulness God requires. And also, because God gives His grace and Holy Spirit only to those who pray continually and groan inwardly, asking God for these gifts and thanking God for them. Did you catch that? Prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness God requires of us. It is, yes, it's true. It is by prayer that we thank God for His gifts. But gratitude is manifested chiefly in prayer. You see, sometimes we think of prayer as here and gratitude is something that we fit into that. But what, our, what we've seen in Psalm 116 and, and what the catechism helps us see is that it's not just that gratitude is something that's fit into prayer. Gratitude is something that is the source of prayer. It is the chief purpose of prayer. So now we begin to see that this ought to transform how we view prayer. Prayer is not about keeping a relationship intact, but it is done out of gratitude for a relationship established and solidified by the work of Christ. Now, think about that. This changes prayer from being about checking off a, a schedule of having a quiet time. Did I have my quiet time today? Can I check that box? But instead, it is a response of heartfelt gratitude to the Lord. So what does this mean for your prayer life? What does this mean between the relationship of prayer and gratitude? I want to give you three applications very quickly. On this point of gratitude as the chief source of prayer. First of all, what is the foundation of your prayer life? What we've seen is that it ought to be gratitude. And I think if we had to identify one other alternative, one other foundation that we build our prayer lives on, I would think in the top, if we were doing like family feud, like name the top five other things people base their prayer life on, I think number one would be guilt, not gratitude. We pray because we feel guilty that we haven't prayed. Or we pray because we feel guilty that a real Christian would pray more than we do. Or we pray because we feel guilty because we didn't get up early enough. I mean, think about this. It, it, the minute you put a time on it, when is it enough? Real Christians pray for 30 minutes in the morning. Well, what happens when the guy walks in and he says, 
real Christians pray for an hour. Right? And then the monk comes in and he says, real Christians get up at 5 a.m., pray from 5 a.m. to 8 a.m., eat a snack, then pray from 8.30 to 4.30 in the I mean, where do you draw the line, right? Gratitude. What is the motivating factor? What is the soil in which your prayer life ought to grow? It should be gratitude. If you... Think for a moment about what God has done for you in Christ. All the blessings he's given you. How does it not end up in prayer? How is it not based in gratitude? So if you find your motive lacking or insufficient, maybe you've been, you've been motivated by guilt to pray, let me encourage you to remember the gospel. Remember the gospel. Preach the good news of Christ crucified for sinners and in their place to your own heart. Reflect on that and be thankful for that. Let that be the source of your gratitude. I think about what G.K. Chesterton once said. He said the worst moment for an atheist is when he is really thankful and has nobody to thank. The opposite is also true. A saint may be said to mix all his thoughts with thanks. All goods look better when they look like gifts. He says, it's the highest and holiest of paradoxes that the man who really knows he cannot pay his debt will forever be paying it. He will always be throwing things away into a bottomless pit of unfathomable thanks. When we look at Jesus and see who he is and what he's done for us. That is the wellspring. That is the source of a, a prayer life that finds its soil to be gratitude. So second, what, what is the foundation of your life? But second, what's the state of your prayer life? What's the status? I think we need to give an honest review of our prayers. How would your prayer life look different? How would the content of your prayers look different in light of that first truth and the two reminders we've had this morning. And let me say this. I, I get it. I understand. It, it's, it's hard for me as well to not just go straight into asking. We're pinched for time. We're, we're throwing up prayers. Maybe they're short prayers. And I understand sometimes moms, uh, people with infants, sometimes you, you're surviving on small, short prayers. Amen? I get it. I, I, I'm not trying to condemn short prayers. I'm not trying to condemn asking. Jesus tells us to ask, seek, knock. But how would your prayer life look different if the source of your prayer life was gratitude? If you're convicted about that question, about the consistency, about the content of your prayer life, let me encourage you, remember the gospel. Remember Jesus Christ. Number one, if you feel convicted and that you need forgiveness, the Lord forgives. You go to him in prayer, you confess, ask for forgiveness, and the Lord grants it because of Christ. But also, when you think about the content of your prayer life, remember the gospel. Let that be the focus, the starting point of your thanksgiving. And then see if that doesn't change the content of your prayers. I grew up 
as a Christian, uh, as a, you know, in a spiritual sense, I didn't become a Christian until I was in my 20s and in college. And from the very beginning, I was taught, how do you pray? You follow Acts, right? A-C-T-S. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. That's kind of a asking, right? But sometimes the, the thanksgiving needs to be first. To get us into the proper frame of mind. So how would your prayer life look different? And then third... I think all of the above, everything we've talked about calls us to be alert. What can you thank God for today? Maybe what you need to leave here with is asking God to help you be more alert, to open your eyes to the blessings. It, it, it says something that if, God, if the question is asked, if you go to God in prayer, what would you thank Him for? And it takes you five minutes to come up with something. That is an indication of a, of a lack of awareness, a lack of alertness to all that God has done for you. So maybe the call is to alertness. What can you thank God for today? We are to be grateful in prayer and to show our gratitude chiefly by praying. So listen to me. If you want to thank God, if you want to leave here expressing your thanks to God, do it in prayer. That's how you do it. Not just by the words you say, but the act itself is your response of gratitude. Right? And, and, I, and I, I want to push this because sometimes we respond to a, a message or a sermon in a way that we consider our agreement the final response. Like I agree with, every, I agree with what Jason said. All that he said is true. I believe it. Okay. Okay, so if prayer is the chief, uh, the, the chief response, the most important part, the key, it's the way we express our gratitude, the, the right response is not to get in your car and drive home thinking, I agree with what Jason said. The right response is to pray on the way home. Are you with me? It is to pray and express your thankfulness to God. So maybe you need an alertness. You need God to, to raise your awareness to the things that He's done in your life. But don't be sluggish. Don't wait. I know Jesus says when you pray, go in the closet, but that's not the only place you can pray. Okay? Be quick to pray and thank God. As we come to a time of invitation, this is a chance for you to respond. I want to encourage you to respond as the Lord leads and respond in prayer. Maybe you simply just take a moment and thank God. You can never thank Him enough. Just because we thanked Him a, a couple days ago doesn't mean He's not worthy to be thanked again today. So maybe that's what you need to do. Just spend a few moments thanking God. Maybe you need to ask God's forgiveness for a lack of gratitude. Whatever it is, however the Spirit is leading, be quick to listen, quick to obey. If you need someone to pray with you, I'll be down here. I'll be sitting down here. I'd be happy to pray with you. But let's take a moment. Caleb, will you come on up? And as Caleb plays, you respond as the Lord leads. Let's pray together. Father, in this time, help us to be grateful.
God, for your word, to be grateful for your spirit, to be grateful for this church, to be grateful for Jesus Christ, who is our hope, our redemption, our Savior. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've given every blessing in the spiritual, heavenly places to us. And not just that, Jesus, you gave us yourself. Oh, God, we could never say thank you enough for that. We will spend eternity expressing gratitude for you. Holy Spirit, move as you see fit in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.